Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 13th day of February 2015, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics. We are on page 50, and we will be reading the third, starting with the third paragraph on page 50 on one proposition, and we will be reading two paragraphs and discussing both. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Elizabeth F.D., the 12 Traditions, Lauren S., Charles H. and Sharon H. and Sally. And yesterday's share code for Thursday, the 12th day of February, is 7323. 7323. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Elizabeth F.D. to please read the 12 steps for us. Thanks, Monica, for your service. Am I being heard? Yes, you are. Great. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. This is Elizabeth F.D. from Virginia, and thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Elizabeth. And I will now ask Lauren S. to please read the 12 Traditions. Hi, Lauren S. A recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be anonymous except in matters affecting the OA group as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. And 10, ten Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films, and 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Lauren S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting... Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are on page 50 in the chapter, We Agnostics. 
And we are going to begin with the third paragraph that starts on one proposition. We shall be reading two paragraphs, and the discussion will be on both of them. And with that, Charles, can you read for us, please? Thank you, Monica, for this opportunity. Um, Good morning, all visionaries. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. On one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believe in a power greater than himself. This power has in each accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As a celebrated American statesman put put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed, they flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power and to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of the human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they showed the underlying underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. They present they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Oh my God. I just felt so much power in reading that. Once again, my name is Charles Day to recover visionary just for today. This is too good for a Friday morning. Um this is a lot this is a lot of information. Um uh a power greater than myself. This power has, in each case, accomplished the miracle. The humanly impossible. There were certain things I just I, there there were certain things in a way I just couldn't even get rid of. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, it was humanly impossible. My DNA didn't have the power. And you know, I tried to Google revolutionary change. It was Google. Mind was blown on that. They just couldn't. They gave me some other words that I had to. You know what I mean? Like, but it's an abnormal change. It's a. It's 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 not normal. This revolutionary change in the way of my living and thinking. Like, just certain things don't rattle me no more, man. And you know, if I didn't have faith, these things would get me. Like, <laughs> they would just they would just rattle me. And, and you know, I used to run around like when I was a newcomer in OA, you know, yeah, absence is the most important thing. I had it too. I was twisted. The presence of a higher power is the most important fact in my life today. It presents a powerful reason why I should have faith. You know, I, you know what? If I think I woke up on my own power today, I might as well go back to sleep because I'm dead already. I'm dead already. Thank you, God, for this revolutionary change that I'm willing to buy into. You know, if if I meet a few simple requirements, right, you know, I was confused and baffled. Seemingly, you know, 
I didn't know what, what how to do this. I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have the faith to do it. I just, I was just an eggshell, man. I was just an eggshell. But the change came over them when many hundreds of people are able to say that the conscience of the presence of God today is the most important fact in my life today. Wow. This is the reason why I should have faith. I don't know about anybody else. Notice I'm not talking about, you know what, I'm just talking about believe. I believe today that a a higher power has pulled me out of the scrap heap. The presence of God is the most important thing in my life today. With that comes everything. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to, to serve today. Thank you, Charles. Okay, who would like to comment on these paragraphs this morning? Marcella H. Marcella. I heard, I heard Melissa Singh. Who who was who, who was um something H? Nessa. No. Santa H. Santa. Katie G. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, Katie. Uh, okay, let me let me Melissa say what I've got so far. I've got Marcella. Could you clear the line for a clearer sounding? Well, everybody's trying to give me their names. It will be in just a second. Marcella, Santa, Melissa, Katie, Vasa. Let's start with that. We are going to spend the whole hour on these two paragraphs. So, Marcella, you're up, and then it'll be Santa. Um. Thank you, Melanie. My name is Marcella. I'm a, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. Um, so um, I love, love, love that this is just as simple as few simple requirements. Simple requirements. They're simple. Um, in my years um, of sponsoring people, that's the most common way to miss it, make it complicated. How complicated can it be? If the 12 steps of recovery began with a conversation among two drunks, one of which was still drinking, because we know that Gil was, was still has his bottle of gin on the table when Abby came and talked to him. And that was the beginning of his spiritual awakening. So I was born with faith. I, I will never take credit for that, because as soon as I, reached, I gained consciousness of my life, I was talking to the eternal to the creator, to the traditional conception of God. But that didn't save me from becoming an addict. And and that traditional line of thinking didn't save me from um, becoming a compulsive overeater and endangering my life. But the simple requirements of the, of the 12 steps, that they are doable, easy to take, don't take that much time, don't require a degree in psychology, philosophy, or education, it's just the only thing that we need is another person that wants to recover and this text. And it works every single time if we sincerely are ready to follow a simple position of the soul and the intelligence towards the, the higher power that, frankly, is keeping us abstinent today as we're speaking. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marcella. Santa, you're up, and then it'll be Melissa. Santa, star one to unmute. Oh, 
Okay, let's move on with Melissa. Can you hear me now? I'm here. Okay, go ahead, yes. I was talking away. Um, My name is Santa H. Grateful Compulsive Overeater in New Jersey. And um, just as Charles was reading that, I felt the same way. Just a power, chills came through my body that I just just needed to just speak out. Um, I am so grateful for the words in this paragraph. And thank you so much, Charles, for the way you read that and what you share. Um, that line where it says they found a new power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction flows through them. I, I'm just so happy because I'm now approaching the end of my, my trip here in Georgia. I've been here visiting with my, my parents for almost two months. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. And I was down here in 2013. And back then I was in the food. I was 255 pounds. And to see who I am today recovered, abstinent, sober, 150 pounds. It's just amazing the the change and transformation that I can see for myself. I don't need anyone else to prove that to me, that I can see for myself how much I have changed and how, you know, everything is the same. My parents are the same. Everything is the same. But I change, and that is such a blessing. And I just had to share that, and thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. Melissa, you're up, and then Katie. Hi, this is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, yeah, listening to this, I, I'm just like, I have the tingles, because um, that is, this, this is the program in a nutshell. This is my entire recovery. It's, um, you know, that I... I had a spiritual transformation, and it's my higher power, and that relationship um, has touched every aspect of my life. You know, I come in initially for a diet, and I got a light. And, you know, I was talking to someone last night who's struggling, um, and I've known her for a number of years, and she has, you know, she said to me, what is it? Like, how, how is it? How are you doing this? How are, you know, and and I really I I had to laugh because it's not me, you know. It's really it's this relationship that I have now with my higher power. I struggled so long. I was doing battle so long, and you know when the screws of the disease twisted and turned so that I was in so much pain, you know, I came here and I came to listen on this line, and I I heard the message, um, you know, continue on in oblivion in my disease or or change, you know, have that transformation. And um, and I didn't know what that meant, and, you know, and, and I was sharing that with, with this person because she also wasn't quite sure what it means. And, um, you know, it's the steps. It, it's not um, – it's not magic. It's not a waving of the wand. It's pressing in and doing the steps without reservation. Um, you know, when I stopped trying to tweak it, when I stopped trying to gloss over the things that I didn't think applied to me, and I stopped trying to identify out, and I worked it like my life depended on it, I've had a flood of recovery, you know, and God met me exactly when I began to make the approach, and every day, um, I have more and more purpose in my life. I'm fighting less 
um, I'm struggling less in every single area. Um, you know, I, I start my day with what good can I do today? How can I be of service? And, you know, it's incredible to be doing it in a smaller body, and that's the first piece that gets noticed, but it is so much more than that. It's my relationship with my higher power. I'm so happy to be on this line today. So grateful. So grateful that I was sat, because if I wasn't sat and struggling with that, I would never have come to know God and and, um, and have this beautiful life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. Katie, you're up, and then Vasa. Good morning, Monica. This is Katie G., recovered from Boston, Mass. Grateful to be here for another day of recovery. Um, thank you, God. <clears throat> I love, um, so it says, okay, this happened, this, this revolutionary change, right, because that's what we're looking for is going to happen, complete and total psychic change. Um, soon after, they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. So, like, that to me, like my sponsor explained to me, like, just because you're, like, believing in this God now, Katie, like, you need to meet some simple requirements, as in step four through nine, we need to keep going. And then she promised me, she said, you know, once confused by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. I mean, that's me, right? Like, that's me with God. Like, seeming futility of existence, oh, what's the point? My life is so useless. And making heavy going of life, like, oh, my God, I'm in Boston. There's snow. It's dark. I can't do this. You know, that's me cut off from God. And that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about agnosticism and coming to believe that there is a power greater than me, greater than the blizzard of Boston that will restore me to sanity. And what it talks about is leaving aside the food problem, guys, leaving aside the food problem. They tell why their living was so unsatisfactory. And this is what differentiates me, right? This is what differentiates me beyond just an abnormal allergy, I have an abnormal mind. I have an abnormal response to life. I abnormally, like, it could be my birthday and I could wake up heavy going of life. Oh, my God, this is so hard. It's my birthday. You know, that is, I'm a negative Nelly no matter what, you know, without the direct intervention of God. And that can be me today, you know, like, thank you, God. I'm recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I do not have the phenomenon of craving today. But I have to work all the steps every single day to make sure that I that the presence of God remains the most important fact of my, my life, to, to, to retain this idea that my primary purpose is to stay abstinent and to help other women today, to go through these, these steps and realize, like, you know what, you know, most of the time I'm not making heavy going of life. And when I start, I have a solution that really works. And uh, thank you, God, my death has been interrupted just for today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Vasa, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I'm Vasa O. Recover Compulsible Vida, calling from Florida. And I didn't know what I was getting into when I came to the program. Finding a power greater than myself, I was so relieved. It was so welcoming because the power that I endured, the, the, it just didn't work for me anymore. I was dying. So it was a good news for me. So today, uh, the presence of God is the most important thing in my life that I have today. I wouldn't be abstinent with God today. Without God, I wouldn't have the peace. I wouldn't have the serenity. 
I wouldn't have the freedom. I would be dead. And uh, so I like this paragraph here. In the face of the collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of the human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. And I came an agnostic, almost an atheist in this program, and I found a power greater than myself, which I call God today. I've been saved from this deadly, deadly, horrible disease. And uh, and so because that was my step one, I was powerless over the food, and I used that in other areas of my life, you know. Um, you know, when I'm struggling with something, I say, okay, God, I'm powerless over this person, people, situation. Please help me. And I'm so grateful that I found the big book. I'm so grateful that I found the Alcoholics Anonymous and the direction and the solution and the recipe is here. And God has given me even more other things in my life to add into the big book. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And who else would like to share? Sharon S. Larry. Sharon H. Sharon S. Okay, I heard there was somebody before Larry that I did not catch. It was Larry, Sharon H., and Sharon S., but someone before Larry. It was Sharon S. No, I got Sharon. I got you, Sharon. Way in the beginning, before Larry. I'm missing somebody. Karen. Karen? Karen, This is Bella. Can I share? And then Bella. Okay. Let's go with this for now. Karen F., Larry, Sharon H., Sharon S., and Bella. So, Karen, you're up, and then Larry. Thank you, Monica. This is Karen S., and it's S as in Sam. I'm from Michigan. Um, And I want to talk about this phrase, to take a certain attitude toward that power. Uh, That attitude for me, has been absolutely key. Three and a half years I struggled with getting abstinent in the program. I could not figure out why I couldn't be abstinent. I'd have a few days. I even had, I think I had 30 days at one point um, in abstinence, and I'd pick up every time. And finally, 24 days ago today, um, I was talking to my sponsor, and I said, I don't know what to do. And to me, that was, that was my bottom. That was the place where I had to completely surrender. And surrender is that attitude toward the higher power that I think is so key. And it seems to have brought about a new kind of sense in me that, um, that with the courage granted by, by my God, I can... I can do this thing, and I can actually find the kind of recovery that I that I hear about on this line. So, for me, that certain attitude for right now, for today, is um, surrender. And thank you so much for all your service and for being here, everyone. With that, I pass. Thank you, Karen F. Larry, you're up, and then it'll be Sharon H. Good morning, Monica. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, <clears throat> Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Um, you know, this, this disease of compulsive overeating had me in its grips from, you know, as far back as, as I can remember. And, you know, the disease, you know, it manifested itself in a, in a variety of ways for me. 
um, you know, the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the heavy body that I was walking around in, that was one of the symptoms. There were many other symptoms, the inability to have relationships, the inability to have intimacy, emotional, physical intimacy, the, you know, the, uh, just the, the inability to relate to people, you know, for a time I could. And then I would always go back home and have to close the shades and get my ease and comfort just to cope with life. Um, you know, and, and, you know, when we read here, you know, that in the face of collapse and despair, that's where I was, um, panic attacks, um, you know, anxiety, depression, in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of my human resources, I was completely powerless. You know, this this power, peace, and happiness, sense of direction flowed in me. You know, this this God-centeredness um, is what I live today. And, you know, when I, when, when I think about that, you know, when it talks about the promises, um, and it says that, you know, that, uh, that we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. You know, that flowed into me, and that was not <clears throat> a psychological measure. It wasn't just working some techniques that sort of led to to that change, not for me. Maybe that's what you have today, but that's not what happened to me. What happened to me was <clears throat> God flowed into my life. Every, every um, aspect of my life is different today because God flooded me, and so I have a peace and serenity uh, no matter what happens in my life. I don't know what's going to happen today. There's, it's out of my control. I have a plan. God has a plan. You know, it's unpredictable what will come today. But I know because I faced um, my father's death, I faced all kinds of different things that are um, very, very challenging. And uh, and I can face that with peace and serenity. That's the biggest thing I have today is the peace and serenity. Um, and that's the evidence. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Sharon H., you're up. And then it'll be Sharon S., Good morning, Monica. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Very grateful to God uh, this morning. And um, can you hear me okay? Sure can. Okay, thank you, Monica. Oh, wow. When uh, I, too, when Charles read these two paragraphs, I was just like, wow, wow. Um, So I'm just going to try and break it down a little bit. I just wanted to share that there's five powers stated in these two paragraphs and one powerful. And so what just really struck me was this this is the one proposition that all these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. And that's what we're given when we start to read and follow the directions in this book. And then in each of and this power then in each case accomplished the miraculous and the humanly impossible. Wow. And thousands of men and women, worldly indeed, yes we are, they flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, take a certain attitude toward that power and do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change. And and then, you know, it goes on to describe our way of living and thinking in the past. It was just the face of collapse, despair, failure, and all of the bedevilments that are on page 52. 
um, and we had no human resource that could change that. And yet when we were gained uh, this access to this power, then this new peace, new power, new happiness, and a new sense of direction, they just flow into us. And it clearly states this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Those are the 12 steps following them through, um, just like they're laid out in this beautiful book. And then um, the final paragraph, or the final few uh, sentences there. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. And um, I am just so grateful today that after so many years of, um, you know, relapse and struggling with this uh, food addiction, even though I'd been graced with a, a miraculous uh, revolutionary change from another addiction many years before. Today, I do experience that, and it was a result of listening to this program on uh, July of 2012, and my issue was I didn't even realize it to the core of my being that I had not believed to the core of my being that I had a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body when it came to this food addiction. Today, I see that. I realize that. That's only by God's grace that that happened. And today, to be able to uh, experience all the incredible blessings that are available to all of us through following these directions so simply laid out in this book, and yet they are just loaded with power, like it states in these two paragraphs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Sharon H. And now, Sharon S., you're up, and then Bella. Sharon S. Star one to unmute. Maybe I didn't hear right. Bella, are you there? Yes. Go ahead, Bella. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow. So wonderful paragraph, and I want to talk about the underlying reasons. Wow. Yes, before the program, I thought and I believe that I know exactly the reasons why I am a overeater and why I am, I, I am overweight. So it went from, from blaming myself, well, I don't have the willpower, and going to blaming others, well, if only, if only my parents would be different, if only my husband would be different, if only I would live in a different place, if only. And this is the reason. And all the time I was looking for a power, so my life was a war. And in a war there is always a winner and a loser, and I was all the time a loser, and I wanted so much to be the winner. Wow, thank you, God, thank you, God, that I came to the program, and I found what I was missing all my life. Yes, I found the, uh, the reason, and for me now, it's not the underlying. For me now, it's so clear. I know the reason. 
yes, I know that I have a disease. I have an allergy in the body that it's nothing connected to me. This is the way God created me, that I have an allergy in the body. And I found another reason, that my disease is blockage in my spiritual way. And thank you, God, that I found today a power greater than myself. And today, this is the present that I got, the present of my life, to find that I have the power to choose to be connected to this higher power. Yes, and this is my only power to choose, to choose one day at a time to be connected to a loving and respectful and accepting God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving me the life. And today I know I don't need the reason why I am overweight. Today I want and I choose to be connected to God, to the higher power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And I'm going to put out one more um for Sharon S., or maybe it was Sharon R.S., are you there? Okay. Would anyone else like to comment? Lindsay. Anita J. Nessa okay. R. Leah. Allison. <laughs> okay, I've got some of you and some of you I didn't get. This is who I have. Kim, Anita J., Leah, Alice M. Now, I know there was a couple other voices in there. I didn't get either one of you. Mara Z. All right. And who was the other one just speaking up? Nessie. Nessie? Yeah, Nessie, yes. With an N? N-E-S-E-H. Okay. All right. Okay. This is what we got. Mara Z. Kim. Nessie. Anita J, Leah, Alice M. So that's what we'll our line up here. Mara Z, you're up, and then Kim. Thank you, Monica, so much for your service and everyone on the line this morning. Hopefully I'll get through without a coughing fit. The one thing that... I'm sorry? No, go ahead. You didn't say your name. Go ahead. Maura, I'm sorry, this is Mora Z, a recovered... Uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive over in Virginia. <clears throat> the one thing that jumps out at me from these paragraphs is the striking difference between my life before working the 12 steps by way of the big book. <clears throat> it says here that conscience, consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. For 14 years before finding this meeting, abstinence was my God. Abstinence was what I said was the most important thing in my life without exception. And the problem was that I never could find abstinence on a long-term basis because I didn't have God. And I came to realize that I had been working a nine-tool program of abstinence instead of a 12-step program of recovery. And when I was able to make that change and and take these 12 steps um, as as they are written in this book, work them with a guide, 
then I was able to find the God that I had been looking for for all those years and find the God that I did not realize for all those years was the key to my long-term abstinence. I was looking for abstinence to help me to find God. It's the other way around. I had to find God to find long-term abstinence. I had to start with putting down the food. Then I had to work these steps of my life depended upon it. And thank you, God, I had fabulous sponsors to show me how to do that exactly and not worry about the details long term, just what was in front of me to do that day and leave the rest to God. Such a control freak. I thought I had to do it all. I don't. I just have to do the work in front of me today. And uh, and today I wake up and I ask God to show me how can I be of service because that's what I want to do. I ask God to show me the way this morning. And uh, and that's, that's basically all I want to share. So thank you very much for doing the service, and I pass. Thank you, Marzi. Kim, you're up, and then it'll be Nessa. Good morning, Monica. I hope you feel better, Mara. Um, my name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Uh, once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they showed the underlying reasons why they were making a heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. You know, for years, in OA, out of OA, I thought food and weight was my problem. That's my problem. And if that was truly my problem, then I had lost weight and gotten to go weight dozens of times. I had gotten abstinence hundreds of times. If that was truly my problem, I would have been okay. So they're saying you're leaving aside the drink question. We're on page 50. We're 63 pages into this book. We're, we're diving into step two. The premise is we are abstinent. And if abstinence is my answer, I should be good to go at this point. I was told for years that abstinence makes you feel better. <laughs> they're right. Absence makes me feel better. It makes me feel anger better. It makes me feel depression better. It makes me feel anxiety better. I'm crawling out of my skin. I am restless. I am irritable. I am discontent. I am a real compulsive overeater. My problem is not when I open up the bag of Doritos. My problem is when the bag of Doritos is empty, what do I do? I have no life skills except to escape into the food. If you are okay, if I was okay, when I put down the food, I am not a compulsive overeater. If someone is okay coming into a OA and just going to meetings and getting a food plan, my experience and my, my opinion is that you are not a compulsive overeater of my type. You are not as seriously alcoholic as I am. Because we are fine that we make a heavy going of life. When I am abstinent, that is when my realism comes out. I am restless, I am irritable and discontent. And let me tell you, I did not come into L.A. at my largest size of a size 24. I came into L.A. at a size 14 when I, when I practiced what I learned in college of bulimia. And I realized I was no longer going to have to shop in Lane Bryant. And I was crazier than a loon. Crazier than a loon. Because you know what? Trying to be abstinent every day? You mean you want me to be abstinent in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening? That is a long time to be abstinent continuously. But my experience in a way 
was it a good year in LA? Was if I was abstinent more than I was an abstinent? That was the most that I thought I could achieve. And that's not what this book is promising me. This book is promising me if I put down the food, I work these steps, which is uncomfortable, which is which is not easy. I'm going to have a spiritual awakening. I'm going to have a connection with a power, and I'm going to be naturally abstinent. Read one more line. It says this happened soon after. They wholeheartedly met a few requirements, not before and not during. Soon after, we met those few simple requirements, which are the 12 steps. And that aligns with my experience, and with that I pass. Thank you, Kim. Nessa, you're up, and then Anita J. Hi, am I I on? Can you hear me? Yes, you are. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm Nessa R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, um, you know, before my recovery, my, my faith um, in God was a very childish one. I basically um, treated God as my employee. I gave him directions as to how I wanted him to run my life. And then, of course, when he didn't obey me, um, I defaulted to my other master, which was the food. And uh, now, um, now my faith has evolved and grown to the point that, with, you know, in the face of, of, of despair and collapse, I feel his presence. You know, even when I don't find the parking spot I want uh, near the mall, when I'm stopped by a cop and I do get the ticket, when, you know, my child rejects my way of life and my values, when, you know, my father and my mother-in-law um, pass away within two months of each other, um, I feel the presence of God. Not just when things go my way, I can see his hand in my life, but especially when uh, things don't go my way, when things are uncomfortable. And yes, they are very uncomfortable, but I know that I can go through them. I know that I will be okay because as a result of having worked the steps and practicing these principles in all my affairs, I am open and I'm blocked um, to receive his help. And I know that with his help, I can make it through anything and be okay. And to me, this is the true, the true meaning of feeling the presence of God. It's very easy to feel the presence of God um, when I get the front, the front parking spot um, on a very cold day, uh, on a very snowy day in front of the mall, or you know when I pleading with the police officers get me off scot free. But the true meaning of feeling God's presence is when things get really uncomfortable. And I don't need the food because I am open to receive God's help. And that's the only, um, the only help I want, the only master I serve. And um, with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nessa. Anita J., you're up. And then Leah. Anita J., star one. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Oh, good. Um, this is Anita J. Grateful to be part of this um, recovery program. Um, this is really the crux of how I should tell my story or how I should live my story. These are the pieces that I've got to. I don't have to. If I'm willing to let God lead what comes out of my mouth, um, you'll know that something's changed in Anita. 
and not just her weight. And that's following slowly. But the change in me, and um, oh, how I wish it for everybody. I, um, I've got to, I understand now, when I don't feel connected to God, I've heard this for years, well, who moved? It was, I was the one who moved. But I used to feel, somebody once said to me, you are like this complicated, elaborate machine, but only half the pieces are working. And you know what I thought was the reason? A guy I was married to was holding me back. It's so simple to blame somebody else. First it was the crazy mother that I lived with as a little kid. Oh, my goodness, we all had to live with somebody. We all had to start from somewhere and move on. It was, it's just an unbelievable tremor in here on how to, how to find a God that not only works for you, but then you want to work for him. That has become a key point in my life now. You know, I have two grandchildren, the oldest one. They are both freshmen in high school. One of them says to me, me and my friends are atheists. So at least I taught them the word agnostic. And maybe someday he might say, Nanny, what is it about you that draws me to you? That's a goal, but we'll see what happens. And the other one doesn't even say he's anything. He flunked religion. And he's an A student. I can't help these other people. I can just keep focusing on me, pray for everyone else, and just give a hand out. And this Particularly, this particular section is the key into a higher power that works, not just here in Massachusetts. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Leah, you're up, and then it will be Alice M. Thank you so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. You know, and this is the crux of the matter, you know, for someone like me. Um, you know, I had more than just a food problem, a food issue. You know, I had a, I had a living problem. I had a living problem. The lead-in to these couple of paragraphs, you know, the big book is talking about theories and facts, that a theory is, you know, grounded in fact, and if the fact works, you know, it's worth trying out. You know, if that theory is successful, it's worth trying out. So what's the theory here? The theory is that a higher power can restore us to sanity. The steps, essentially, are that theory. And clearly that works. Because here, you know, are these men and women who are declaring that they now have power and peace and happiness and a sense of direction in their lives that they never had before. And that was certainly true about me. You know, when I looked back and I realized that it wasn't just the eating that puzzled me and it wasn't just the consequences of my binging and my purging and all the violence that went around the food, uh, it wasn't even that that bedeviled me. It was the way I felt when I wasn't doing that. It was the way I felt when I was abstinent. It was so puzzling to me. Why was I feeling like life was so unfulfilling? 
Why was I feeling like I was unsatisfied? I was, you know, relatively intelligent. I had been brought up uh, safe and provided for. I had gone to a very good school. I had a loving husband who was very caring. You know, why was I so unfulfilled, abstinent? You know, and then it began to become clear to me because I had teachers along the way to look at that as the unmanageability of my life. It wasn't unmanageability, just wasn't the chaos that surrounded me and the consequences of my eating. The unmanageability was me. (laughs) The unmanageability was the way I was thinking, the way I was believing, my outlook and perspective on life. You know, so I had to understand that I was parading through life as my own higher power, and that had failed me miserably. And until and unless I fully understood that, and unless I accepted my own role in my own demise and misery, then my prospects for change were going to be nil. But once this book was presented to me and I read these paragraphs and I read the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important fact of their lives, then it started to dawn in me as I was progressing through these steps that here's a hundred people who wrote this who all agreed on it, who all agreed that the most important thing in their lives was this higher power, was this connection, this relationship, because when I have that relationship, I don't have a need to seek out substances in order to feel comfortable because I'm already comfortable. And because I have a power, and because I have peace, and because I have happiness, and I have a sense of direction because of that relationship. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Alice M., you're up. Good morning. This is Alice M. from Florida, uh, Recover Compulsive Overeater and Bulimic. Oh, man. You know, um, I needed a new direction in my life, period. I'll just say three and a half years ago, you know, when I... I arrived at the doors of another treatment center, and my life was out of control. You know, I could not stop binging and puking, and I could not control my anger um, around my daughter. And I knew I needed a complete overhaul. You know, I was to help. You know, I will do anything. What do I need to do? And the message came to me is that I needed to practice rigorous honesty. That was a power greater than me. I had so many secrets, was keeping so many lies. Um, I meant to set my timer here in a second. And um, I knew that I needed to come clean, not just around the food, but what was going on in my life at that time. And I knew that there were going to be consequences of it. And at that point, I was as desperate as the dying could be, and I committed myself. I said, I am going to do this. And it started with being honest in the intake and telling these people what my life was like, that I was physically, emotionally, mentally abusive to my daughter. My anger was out of control. My food was out of control. Please help. I was going to die probably at my own hands. I could not stand living in my body. And so I surrendered to that principle of rigorous honesty. And thank goodness I was in a lockdown facility because my life unraveled unraveled that day. I was reported to DCF. Investigations began and it was horrible because it extended beyond my own family into two other families 
whom I work for. I thought I was going to die, yet I knew, I knew that if I lied and withheld this information even one more day, that, you know, that nothing was going to get better. And I was either going to kill somebody or I was going to kill myself. And, you know, the the gig was up. And so I felt in that, that day, that moment, an incredible surge of this belief, this faith in the principle of self-honesty. And I tell you, I did not want to do it. And yet I knew, you know, not only was I, I had, my life was pretty criminal. I was, I was shoplifting. I'm not just talking about food. Everything, everything I was doing in my life was, was not how I wanted to lead my life. And, um, and so, you know, I surrendered, I surrendered that day, turned, you know, turned my life over to whatever was going to happen and unravel. And it took a whole year for all this horrendous stuff to unravel and charges against me. And, and I knew, I knew that, 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 that willingness to be rigorously honest that day was going to be a gift for me. Um, and you know, a gift of, of allowing this change to come over Time. me. Um, and I thank you. Pass. Thank you, Alice M. And this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in here for a moment. And everyone, thank you so much for these powerful, powerful shares this morning about this power that we need that's greater than us. And I'm Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I just wanted to point out, when I read this with my sponsor, that very last sentence we read, when many hundreds of people are able to say that the the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Yes, but when I read that, all I zoned in was that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their life. I didn't see this. I didn't understand it. That's okay. If that's where you're at today, that's okay. But before that, it's all these hundreds and thousands of people are saying Yes, they've come to believe that a power greater than them could help them. How do you get that power? It tells us here. You'll work the steps, and you will get it. And with that, I pass. And we've come to the end of our time this morning. And I would like to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Sharon H., can you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Yes, thank you, Monica. Um, uh, This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.